Welcome back to Steph's Business Bookshelf and this week's episode about the book Idea Flow by Jeremy Utley and Perry Claiborne. Keep listening to find out how you can come up with more ideas. Welcome back. Finally, it's um, it's been a few weeks. I'll explain more about that in a moment. But welcome back to Steph's Business Bookshelf. I'm your host, Steph Clark. And each week, well, roughly each week, I share with you the three big ideas from the best non-fiction books that I've been reading and do the reading so you don't have to. Well, that felt a bit rusty because, as I mentioned, it has been a couple of weeks. I put a note out or sort of thing on Instagram out the other week for some of you. I know some of you saw this because we had chats about it that I was going down to fortnightly for the podcast for the rest of the year, of the year. So that was kind of be roughly November and December because I was running out of books, to be honest, and also I was working on a few other things that I wanted to create some time for. And that was all going fine. And then I got COVID, which meant I couldn't really record the podcast because I was not feeling well and my voice was terrible for a couple of weeks. So that also then made it, it's now three weeks since we've had an episode. So here we are which actually means for the rest of the year that I'm going to be putting out an episode, which will be another two weeks after this, I will just do it weekly because <laughs> it's, everything's gone gone, you know, gone weirdly. So uh, we might as well just do a couple more episodes. So I'm going to do this week's, I'm going to do next week's. There will probably be the one, one the week after and then nothing for a few weeks, but I will put out a special one, kind of probably first week of Jan, which I will kind of record a little bit earlier with the books of the year, as I usually do. So the top books of 2022 I will do an episode of that which will come out in the new year and then I'll take probably most of January off the podcast over the summer as it is here in Australia and in the summer southern hemisphere more generally of course so that's my plan who knows if that plan will go to plan like the last plan did not go to plan but you know here's hoping the other thing to note is that I'm just tweaking the format ever so slightly so instead of reading out the bios and things like that I will kind of tell you a little bit about the author and about the book but really in kind of a sentence or two but all of those author bios the proper ones and blurbs from the books and what the books are about will still go in the show notes so if you miss those let me know because I might add them back in if every if there's a revolt because people are like no we love that it was the best bit I would be quite sad if that was your favorite part of the podcast to be honest but if you really like it and if that really gave you context then let me know and I'll put it back in but otherwise I thought maybe we would just skip to the good bits mostly and get to straight to the or pretty much straight to the three big ideas so that's what I'm going to do with this one so this book is called Idea Flow it's by Jeremy Utley and Perry Claiborne. They are both Stanford D school teachers, educators, professors, etc. So as I said, you can read more about them in the show notes, but that's the context for where they're coming on, coming from for this particular book. Jeremy is quite fun to follow on LinkedIn. I recommend giving him a follow. I quite like some of the things he shares around innovation, creativity, design thinking, etc. So worth a follow there. The book is called Idea Flow. It's pretty new. It only came out in October. October and it's all about putting out more more ideas and and really thinking about the methods to unleash creativity and doing more of that on a more regular basis rather than just when you have got a problem but how do you actually harness that on a more regular basis so that's a very kind of quick one sentence or two on the about the book and about the authors so and as I said more details on all of that is in the other in the show notes with links to follow there is a website ideaflow.design which has got lots of different information about the book and videos and 
book club kind of speaking talking notes and things like that as well which is quite cool I like it when authors do that and bonus chapter and all sorts of bits and pieces too so recommend checking that out a link in the show notes but let's get into the three big ideas from the book idea flow by Jeremy Utley and Perry Claiborne big idea number one is all problems are idea problems I quite like this idea that pun intended I guess that uh, all problems are idea problems they talk in the book about the fact that you can't get ideas overnight you need to keep them flowing in good time and bad so very much like any other kind of fitness your creativity fitness can't just be turned on and off you need to be able to kind of you need to be maintaining it all the time they say that ideas are solutions to future problems which I quite like which represent tomorrow's profits no ideas no tomorrow which is slightly frightening but it is true isn't it if you don't have good ideas then we're going to struggle in those future problems so if this is the case we need to therefore maximize for idea flow not ideas completed that's really the bottom of the funnel that execution piece but that is only possible if we fill the top so getting get back into this idea of lead measures and lag measures which we talked about before in other books the bottom of the funnel the good ideas you've executed are the lag measures but in order to get to those good ideas, we need to have even more ideas, some of which are good, some of which are bad, some of which will be somewhere in between, some of which will be ugly. And we need to have all of those in order to get to those good ideas that we then choose to execute. Another quote from the book is that the most useful measure of creativity that they have found is as follows. The number of novel ideas a person or group can generate around a given problem in a given amount of time. This is idea flow. So number of ideas divided by the time that you spent to come up with them. That is your idea flow. And they say that they recommend that at the beginning of the book, you test this, give yourself five minutes give yourself a problem to solve and they, the example they I quite like that they they use is subject lines potential subject subject lines for an email come up with as many as you can in you know, five minutes or something count how many you did and then once you've practiced some of the techniques in the book and put some of it brought some of it to life try it again and see if you've improved your idea flow quite a fun thing you could do as a group as an individual as pairs in teams etc so yeah one to one to play with I think I quite like that idea as a, a bit of a measure of idea flow if we're thinking about the top of the funnel that input being the important thing or the quantity not the quality at this stage so that's big idea number one all problems are idea problems big idea number two is you're not testing enough One of the biggest themes in the book is seriously pushing the quality and potentially quantity of your tests and experiments that you're running. This is how to improve your ideas and start to refine the ideas into something useful. But most people don't do this. They either jump straight from idea through to execution and then get confused why things maybe didn't land or weren't quite right or didn't didn't, just failed (laughs) maybe even more in a more basic way. But we need to, as the book says, circumvent this mindset, design experiments so cheap and so quick that the risk doesn't even register. Most organizations, most teams don't experiment because they get nervous about doing it, which is weird because they often will jump to execution for something they haven't actually tested. So you need to choose something that you can do tomorrow, imperfectly, in the smallest, tiniest way possible. Even better, as they say in the book, if you can do it without any buy-in from above. If you're wondering how you're going to get a sign-off to run that experiment, you need to think even smaller. Like you're, you're not thinking about the experiment in a creative enough and small enough way. Experiments should almost be imperceptible to the naked eye in terms that they're happening, but you should be able to measure the results. So we let this bureaucracy, we let fear, we let rules and all these other excuses get in the way. And there's a great quote in the book that we conflate, or particularly large organizations tend to conflate risk and uncertainty. And I just thought that that was brilliant because that is exactly the case. 
they they see uncertainty or they feel uncertainty and they decide it they they assume it is a risk for example there's a number of examples of this in the book and there's some pretty cool examples in the book there's uh you could do a pop-up you could run ads for a product or a service that doesn't yet exist but you're building ads for it and running the ads to see how many clicks you get how much interest is there really in this building prototypes doing posters doing a b site testing or newsletter testing or subject line testing whatever it needs to be They do note quite heavily, though, that something like a survey is not a test. We want something that proves actions, not just words or intent. There was an example in the book that comes up a couple of times about this rooftop bar that was installed in a shopping center at the top of a shopping center. Very expensive because when they interviewed a load of shoppers, they were like, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. I'd I'd go to that. So they were like, great, that's it. That's proof. What they could have done instead is run some pop-ups because no one went to this bar. Even though everyone said they were going to, they actually, in reality, that wasn't the case. So what the shopping centre could have done instead, which would have been much cheaper, much less time, was put some pop-up bars up there over a few weekends or a few weeks, a couple of evenings, to see if people really did come up. And they would have noticed that maybe they didn't and therefore they shouldn't maybe install a full bar (laughs) that is a permanent thing. Another good example, which is from Netflix, was Reed Hastings and Mark Randolph when they started Netflix, just practicing shipping a CD to each other just to see, would it arrive? Would it be damaged? How, how expensive would it be? How fast would it arrive? So even just something as simple as that was an experiment to go, yes, we have tested that this, this part is possible a really tiny micro test and they got better and better at testing and they got to the point where they were running if they weren't running a test a, a day or a test uh, even more than one test a day they would do it taking too long to test so a successful test should involve some kind of transaction some kind of commitment someone clicks on something someone buys something someone subscribes something someone signs up to something and this should be a constant flow idea test idea test idea test just to see what the outcome is and be able to tweak and experiment and come up with new ideas and tweak your ideas as you're going along. There's a, another good quote, quote in the book where it says, in most cases, a well-designed experiment gives you the data you need to design a better one, a more refined test that answers more specific questions and gets you closer to the right idea. Experiment for direction, not destination, which comes to this point that we should be involving a transaction of some level of commitment in our test, not just intention. So you want transaction, not intention in your tests. This is a really chunky section of the book and it actually there's a whole section on testing but then it comes up a few other times later on in the book as well. So if this is something you struggle with, the book, the book is probably worth reading for that. So there's some really interesting examples of this being brought to life as well. So it's big idea number two, you're not testing enough. Big idea number three is elevate. The second part of the book is all about improving our ideas. The need for more ideas for more idea flow, but also the need to create the conditions for better ideas. These conditions for better ideas are mining for perspectives, shaking up your perspective, stoking curiosity, encouraging creative collisions and untangling creative knots, which all kind of conclude in this idea of innovating with others. Ultimately, these are all about not going it alone. You need a constant flow of ideas. You need constant sources of insights, perspectives and inspiration that isn't yours. So the encouragement here is to get into rabbit holes, bring ideas from other industries, go somewhere new, sit in silence, do nothing. There's all sorts of things you can do in order to improve your idea flow and elevate the quality of the ideas you're coming up with. The first part of the book is more about the quantity. This bit is a little bit more about the quality of the ideas. There was one particular example in the book that I really liked. I thought this was really cool and quite a novel way of doing things that I hadn't seen before, which is called an assumption reversal. 
And there's a bit of a quote here again, or a section of the book that I will read because it's they put it better than I, I will. And an assumption reversal is about identifying what you're taking for granted about a situation and deliberately assuming it's the opposite is true. So for a customer experience in, in the example they used in the book or one of the examples they shared in the book, go where the customers you're trying to reach already are. And then rather than judging the experience that they're having at this other place through the usual lens, reverse those assumptions. So these customers might must be there for a reason. It can't be all bad, even if you think it's bad, you know, even if it looks weird or it doesn't fit with your worldview, it must be working in some way, shape or form. So you need to pay particular attention to the elements that challenge your definitions of a quality experience. Customers find something about this appealing and your job is to figure out what. So as part of one of their Stanford programs, they took a team from TaylorMade, which is the, the golf equipment and clothing company, to Claire's Accessories, which is the opposite. It's where teenage girls go to get their ears pierced. That's uh, where I think it might be where I got my ears pierced or certainly one of the times and buy jewellery. And what they found by going to Claire's Accessories, even though it was wildly different, it certainly wasn't where their customers were. But what they found is that Claire's Accessories, all the things in there were organised by need or occasion. The prom, the girls' night, the school disco, all of those different things that teenage girls might be going to, they that was how their products are organised. Whereas tailor-made were organised differently. And what they realised from that is that someone who was maybe starting out playing golf wouldn't necessarily be able to orient themselves particularly easily in their tailor-made stores. So therefore, by maybe taking something from Claire's accessories in terms of organising by event or type of situation, it would make the tailor-made stores much more logical, particularly for someone who was going in for one of the first times and wasn't really sure what they were looking for. So I love that example. I love that actual case study as well, but also this idea of this assumption reversal, going in somewhere and being like, why does this work, even if I think it's completely bananas? And at the end of the day, you don't innovate in the pickle business by eating cucumbers all day, which is probably my favorite quote from from a book this year, I think. So you don't innovate in the pickle business by eating cucumbers all day. You've got to get out. You've got to look at other things. You've got to see different fruits and vegetables in that example. You've got to just do something different and go somewhere new. So that's big idea number three, elevate. So we're going three big ideas from the book, idea flow, big idea number one, all problems are idea problems, big idea number two, you're not testing enough, and big idea number three, elevate. I was really excited about this book coming out, it's one I'd had my eye on for a period of time, I, I, it was well written, they have a really nice writing style, the case studies in there are great, I really did enjoy the case studies because they're really up to date and quite fresh and ones other than maybe some of the Netflix examples, probably ones you haven't heard of before, which is cool, I like that a lot. The thing, I, I did find the book a little bit of a slog to get through, possibly just time of year, potentially, you know, that could have something to do with it. But also I just found the actual structure and a lot of the actual, I suppose, the 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 bigger ideas, if you kind of boil it up a little bit more, it's essentially the design thinking methodology, which if you've been through before, you'll be pretty familiar with. So I'd say if you're going to get into this book, flick through and find that some of those case studies, some of those examples in of the the work in in use because that was the really cool stuff whereas if and that's particularly if you've seen a lot of design thinking creativity type books before if this is new to you this would actually be a pretty cool one to start with I think so that is my quick review at the end there we go if you have read this book I'd love to hear from you as usual you can find me on Instagram at Steph's Biz Bookshelf or on LinkedIn I'm Steph Clark Steph with a PH Clark with an E at the end you can find me over there send me a note say hi and let's chat books but otherwise until next time happy reading